Thanks for listening to the Issue Podcast. Be sure to follow our Instagram at the underscore Issue Podcast or Twitter at just the Issue Podcast. Catch us Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, what's up, guys? It's the issue. It is Monday, July 27th. We are back, and I am by myself again. Tim is on vacation number two and the final vacation of the year, um, as far as I am aware. Uh, Tim, if you're listening, miss you, buddy. Uh, But he should be calling in later in the show because we have NFC East predictions to get to you guys. And yeah, so we'll have that coming up later, uh, NFC East. Um, But until then, there are some things that I wanted to uh, kind of run over and cover. Um, So first, first story that I'm going to look at here. The coronavirus outbreak in the Marlins organization. Um, Today, as of 9.21 a.m., a story comes out. The Marlins reportedly get 10 new positive COVID-19 tests after three yesterday. The game versus the Orioles was canceled, and the team will stay in Philadelphia. So right off the bat, I'm thinking – what are these players doing? How is this, how is there an outbreak? What are they doing off the field? Now I could be wrong. I could, I I could be, I'm speculating right now, but when you have a pandemic, I'm not saying they were being irresponsible, but you have to be extra careful. We just had sports return. It would be a shame to see them go this soon. Okay, the next story I want to get to, though, the Marlins outbreak, after the Marlins outbreak, the MLB plans to double down on safety protocol, including preventing spitting and preventing high fives. So they're going to they're gonna double down on the safety protocol, and they are not considering canceling the season, which, thank God, they're not going to do. I would hate to see the season get canceled this early. I think anybody would. I think any sports fan, even if you're not a sports fan, nobody wants to see the season get canceled. There's a story here, same, about the Marlins. After the Marlins spent the weekend in Philly's visiting clubhouse, Monday's Yankees and Phillies game has been postponed. So because of the outbreak, um, that happened in Philadelphia. Keep in mind, this happened while the Marlins were in Philadelphia playing the Phillies. So they're shutting down that clubhouse and they're postponing the Yankees and the Phillies game that's happening today. And that was supposed to happen today. Okay. So they want to prevent um, any other visiting team that's coming into that locker room from contracting it. Makes sense. Now, here's my thing. How long are you going to wait? What else can you do? What other safety measures? Okay, you say you're going to prevent spitting. How do you prevent spitting? How? It's baseball. 
What is it you're going to find if you get if you spit? That's interesting. I've never heard that before. I mean, what are you not, not going to allow high fives? Okay, so somebody comes up. Ninth inning, right bottom of the ninth. Walks it off. No high fives, really. They're wearing batting gloves, guys. Wearing batting gloves. I get it, the whole social distancing thing. Double down on safety protocol. Yeah, I get it. But you're seriously going to go after no high fives? You're going to go after no spitting? Good luck. I mean, I hope it works out, but good luck. Um, just coming from a baseball perspective, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> things aren't easy. Um, I want to run down some of the uh, some of the standings so far, um, and ha- just how some teams are doing. Orioles off to a quick two and one start. We're going to start in the AL. Uh, Yankees two and one. Uh, Tampa two and one. Uh, good division there. I mean, the Orioles are not the greatest team in the league. Could they shock somebody in the 60-game season? I think anybody can, you know, be a, be a sleeper team. They weren't on the top list of sleeper teams when we read those on the show. But, yeah, Yankees and Tampa Bay, totally see them up there. Um, yeah, I mean, we're looking across. Cleveland's 2-1, and one, uh, Detroit's 2-1, and one, Minnesota's 2-1. and one. Uh, I didn't expect Detroit to, to win that. Get off to a two and one start, but they did. Um, I definitely see Cleveland and Minnesota at the top of that division. I don't have any problems with that. Uh, Houston and Oakland at the top of their division, both tied two and one. Um, look, guys, Houston has a lot of talent. I don't like what happened in Houston. I don't like the whole cheating scandal, but it is what it is. It happened. Uh, they should be, you know, I'm not condoning it. But I'm just saying, they have a lot of talent. They're 2-1. and one. I expect them to be at the top of the division for the entire season. Um, we're going to move over here to the NL. We're going to go and look at our hometown Pirates, 1-2. and two. Looked absolutely horrendous in their second game of the year. Lost 9-1 to one, uh, to the Cardinals. But when you play the Cardinals and you're the Pirates, um, especially the Pirates this year, uh, didn't expect much. Um, and they play Milwaukee tonight. It's the uh, first game in Pittsburgh, and Milwaukee's coming to town. Um, look, we're throwing Stephen Brault. You can only hope. But um, I see Milwaukee winning this series. Um, you look at the central division in the NL. Uh, Chicago Cubs 2-1, and one, St. Louis 2-1. and one. Just as predicted, really. I would have expected Milwaukee to be up there too, but they're not. Um, I mean, Chicago's got a lot of talent all all around the field. So does St. Louis. Um, two really great teams. Um, the Pirates have to find a way. Look, if you want to win, you got to beat the big guys. Uh, we're going to look around the NL a little more. Colorado 2-1, and one, San Diego 2-1. and one. Um, you know, Dodgers two and two, San Fran two and two. Not really surprised there. Um, it's early. It's hard to go around and look at some of these records right now and really make speculations about the season because it is so early. But um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see with time. And uh, yeah, I mean, that just about does it for what I have. We just covered, you know, a story or two there, and definitely wanted to touch on the MLB a little bit and some of uh 
some of baseball, but I don't want to step on too many of the segments that me and Tim have planned for you guys. Um, you know, coming up here in the next couple of days, uh, we're going to be reviewing a lot of the MLB. Um, and later in the show, you'll get Tim calling in. Uh, he should be on next with us doing the NFC East predictions. And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So don't go anywhere. We are back. It's the second segment today. And like I said, I have Tim on the phone. He is on vacation in North Carolina. Tim, what's going on, man? <laughs> not much. Just uh, just hanging out. About to eat dinner here in about an hour or so. So figured give in, uh, give a little call and, uh, you know, talk about some sports. Yeah, man. We got a, uh, a lot of these predictions to go over here today for the NFC East. Um, first, I want to start off and address some things from uh, the AFC West that we covered um, last Monday. There's a guy who commented on Instagram. His handle is Lee Matode Three. Okay, he said, "I see the Broncos at eleven and five, the Chiefs at ten and six, the Raiders at nine and seven, and the Chargers at three and thirteen. Tim, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this comment, man. God, I mean, the Broncos at the top, I, I do like the Broncos, but not that much. But the Chiefs at 10 and 6, they returned 20 of 22 starters. Yeah. Where 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 could you possibly get the idea that they're not going to be at least, like, almost as good? I mean, would they go 12, 12 and 4 last year? 11 and 5 minimum. I can't believe you could say that they go 10 and 6. Like I said, returning 20 of 22 starters, That there's just no way. There's, there's just no way. And then the mm-hmm. Raiders at nine and seven. You said, is that what he said? Yeah, he said Raiders at nine and seven. The Raiders at nine and seven. I mean, no. Yeah. <laughs> there's just, there's just no chance. Who do they have? You know, Derek Carr. Oh, sweet, he's gonna throw to a, a rookie. Okay, we have no idea how good he's gonna be. They have no one on defense. Max Crosby is the only person of hope on defense, and he was like a fifth round de- uh, defensive end. So I mean, and he popped last year, but. I don't think he's going to continue. I mean, he might continue to be good, but they don't have any guys around him. Yeah. No, there's no way that they go nine and seven, and then Chargers three and thirteen get out of here. No chance. No chance. No. Yeah. Um, they just have way too much talent. I mean, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Desmond King, Casey Hayward. Um, and then as long as you have a quarterback that can just throw the ball and not turn it over, they're going to be at least at least nine and seven. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, 100% agree with that. I have no idea what this guy – I mean, he got some hate on our Instagram for it too. I mean <laughs> – Yeah, were, I did see that. There were some guys – there were some people that came back and uh, and uh, responded to that with some uh, with some passion, we'll say. But um, now that we got that out of the way, I want to move in here to this week on um, the NFC East. And we're going to start from the bottom up like we usually do. And in yeah. last place in the division at 3-13, and 13, we have the Washington football team. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, we should just uh, delete this tire fire from the league, honestly. Just from the, from the top down, there's just no hope. Oh, it's, um, it stems from management right now, too. And even all the turmoil that's going on there, even with just the name change, has caused so much. So. Exactly. And then, well, okay, well, let me let me revise a little bit. They have a little bit of promise. A little bit. 
very, very minimal. So, I mean, let's dive a little deeper here. Dwayne Haskins, if he works, might not be terrible. I like the rookie, well, now going to be second-year wide receiver Terry McLaurin. He was, I think, I think personally, I think he's the best rookie wide receiver. I guess he could say A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, yes. But Terry McLaurin was fantastic. And then their defense up front, really good. And then they add Chase Young to that already good defense. And then you get Ron Rivera, who is a defensive-minded coach. So I think their defense is going to be uh, bold take here. Um, they're going to be top 10 in the league defensively. Okay. But there's just so many what-ifs offensively. Darius Geis can't stay away from the trainers. I, I think the guy might have a, a crush on the trainers. <laughs> he's so good he's healthy, but there's just the, – the, he shows so many flashes, and then he gets hurt. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins shows flashes, then the next game, nothing. So it's like there's just so many what-ifs, and then we have no clue if Ron Rivera is good enough. Everyone's saying Ron Rivera is like some sort of savior. Just like Cam Newton, Ron Rivera only had one – Standout year in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Get one standout year. Like, it's not like act, like act like he's the end all be all and he's going to save, you know, this, like I said, tire fire. Yeah, he won coach of the year twice, 2013, 2015. But outside of that, with the, and then that Super Bowl appearance with Cam, he's got yet to win anything as a coach. And even as an assistant, he appeared in one Super Bowl as a Bears defensive coordinator in 06. They lost. So, you know, he didn't win anything there. So, uh, Ron Rivera's good, yes, defensive-minded. He'll be able to improve the defense. But it's not like he's going to turn them into, like, a 10-win team here in their first year. There's just no way. Right. And then let's let's look at their schedule, right? First five games, Browns, Eagles, Cardinals, Rams, Ravens. That's, that's not <laughs> um, That's 0-5. Yeah. Okay. And then they play the Giants, could be competitive, and then the Cowboys. So, in the first seven games – 0 and seven, not out of the imagine or not like out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. One and six, likely. I, I, I mean, they might both steal one of those games or you know, beat the Giants or something. Yeah. Then they have a couple winnable games. Then they go Giants, Lions, Bengals. The next three that could be two, maybe three wins, depending on how good you think the Giants are. I think they're better than the Redskins. And well, the, sorry, and football team, the football team. So it could be two to three wins, but down the stretch, the Cowboys, Steelers, Niners, Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles. Yeah. That's 0 and 6. That's. Or what? 0 and 5. Yeah. 0 and 5. There's just no way. And, I'm sorry. There's just. Wait, no, it is 0 and 6. Yeah, there's 0 and 6. There's just no way. Best case scenario, they win one of those games. That is. That is if everything lines up and the stars align and everything's perfect. And they really have to hope for some luck against the Bengals here. It's going to be interesting to see what Joe Burrow turns out to yeah. be. Even the Bengals aren't bad. The only reason I say that's a winnable game is just how bad they were last year. But if Joe Burrow's even halfway decent, if A.J. Green stays healthy along with John Ross, and then they got Joe Mixon, they have a top 10 to 15 offense. I mean, that's not a bad offense. If Joe Burrow throws 25 touchdowns, 8 picks, and completes, or even 10 picks, maybe 12, I would say, max. So if he goes 25 and 12 touchdown to picks, mm-hmm. And completes over sixty five percent of their of his passes, pass rating eighty, you know, six, eighty seven, maybe close to ninety. Yeah. That's a top fifteen offense. That's at least a top half offense. Absolutely. Um so I mean they that's the only reason I say that's a winnable game, but even that, even that isn't that all that winnable. Yeah. So we're looking at, at absolutely the stars align, Pluto becomes a planet again, they go five and eleven. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everything's gotta go perfect and then they still only go five and eleven. More, way more significantly, 
um, likely is is three and thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I have no arguments on that. Um, like I said, there's a lot of what ifs with that team, and uh, and the turmoil that's going on within that organization right now isn't going to help anything. Um, we're going to jump up here now to number three in the division. We have the Giants at four and twelve. I think that's I think that's fair. Could they go five and eleven? Possibly. Um, See, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I don't know. I just think I think for them to to do better than four and twelve is going to be tough. I don't see the thing. The thing is, I like their talent. I mean, well, I like their offensive talent. I like the Saquon, and I like I like Daniel Jones way more than a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but like again. Their their schedule. That's what I was just about to say. Have you looked at that schedule? Oh my! All right, so let's let's run through it. Steelers, Bears, Niners, Rams, Cowboys. Yeah, that's that are, isn't even close to winnable. No, those are Not all even close. Those are and all then losses. they also play Seahawks, Bucks, Browns, Ravens, and then again the Eagles twice, and like are they, again the Cowboys and the Eagles twice. Yeah, and then they have like four winnable games, maybe um, Washington team twice. The Bengals and then the Cardinals, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I like where the team's going with Saquon and Daniel Jones, and there's a couple defensive pieces that could step up, but like a, a lot like Washington, there's just so many what ifs and not a lot of guaranteed talent. Yeah. Um, there's just not enough guaranteed talent. There's like three games that are easily winnable, and then maybe they steal a game against Arizona or someone like that. But four and 12, I would say. Is is about right, and at best they steal two games and finish five and eleven. But I think regardless, they're going to have a you know top five to top ten pick next year. Yeah, I mean, and with like what you said with that schedule, man, it's going to be so tough, especially with a team that does have a lot of what ifs like that. The last thing that like that that a team like that needs is one of the hardest schedules in the league. Well, yeah, and they're also very young, and they also have a new head coach. They so they have a second year quarterback, still a young running back. Saquon's still relatively young. They have a lot of young players and a brand new head coach with no OTAs, no preseason. Yeah. So it's just there's just so many what ifs. Like I said, just a lot like Washington stars need to align for them to even go like six and ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would really agree with the Giants there. Um, we need to see we need to see them do something. Um, number two in the division here, the Cowboys at eight and eight. Here's what I think about. We're gonna be mad about this one. Oh, I can already hear just the typing of um, nasty comments coming from Dallas. Oh God, especially especially Cowboys fans. Good lord. Yeah, we have a solid amount of listeners in Dallas too, so I'm kind of uh, a little nervous to put this graphic up, honestly. But um, eight and eight, I see it. (laughs) I mean, listen, they have struggled so much. Oh, they they get the Cowboys. It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle because every year it goes like this: the draft rolls around, they get a couple players here and there. Everybody in America, everybody in America thinks that they, you know, suddenly it seems like everybody loves the Cowboys out of nowhere. Um, they get all hype about America's team. Um, and then they get into the season and realize, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we are terrible. Um, <laughs> and then they go eight and eight, 
and everybody jumps off the bandwagon and then you can't find a Cowboys fan in the United States. Like you can't do it until of course next year's draft rolls around and then everybody's a Cowboys fan until they go, <laughs> you know, eight and eight again the next year. So exactly. Like, like look, look at the schedule. Look at the schedule. The Rams close game could go either way. It's actually at LA and there's not going to be a lot of fans, but uh, you know, middle of the country team heading to LA on the road, eight twenty game late night. Mm-hmm. I, I would pick the Rams. I think with a healthy offensive line, they now have um, Joan Ramsey, Aaron Donald, their their whole defense and their offensive line are going to be fully healthy. I'd go Rams. Mm-hmm. Falcons, I'd, I'm taking Cowboys over Falcons. Okay. But then they have Seahawks, Browns, the next two games. I think that's two losses. I think the Browns are going to be way improved. I think they're going to be a 10-win team. Then they have the Giants, Cardinals. That's Those are easily winnable. And then Washington. But then at Philadelphia, taking Philadelphia. Yep. Then they have the, oh, this stretch is brutal. Okay, this stretch minus minus the Bengals and the Washington team, this stretch is absolutely brutal. Steelers, Vikings, like I said, uh, Washington. But then the Ravens and the Bengals. But the Niners and then the Eagles. Yeah, that is tough. That That's brutal. I mean, that's a loss to maybe the Steelers. But if not, definitely, definitely going to lose the next week to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Definitely losing the Ravens. Definitely losing the Niners, and I maybe even the Eagles again. Yeah, and and I want to go back and cover what you said about the Browns. On the Browns, on paper, more talented than Dallas this year. Absolutely, and their coach is, I think, finally gonna be a decent coach. Like I think Kevin Stefanski is actually going to help this team instead of hurt them. Freddie yeah. Kitchens, all he had to do was just shut up and not do anything wrong. And that team could have easily went 500. Yeah. All Freddie Kitchens had to do was get out of his own way. And that dude couldn't figure out left from right. Yeah. Dude was the worst coach probably I've seen in the NFL in the last, I don't know, my life. I'm a young guy. Probably my life. He was absolutely god-awful. I can't even describe it. So if Kevin Stefanski is just awake and and responsive. <laughs> there's no way the Browns don't go 500. Yeah, I mean, all <laughs> they actually got better. All they were loaded last year and actually got significantly better. Yeah, and then upgraded a coach. And they fixed. So, I mean, and they fixed their hole that they had at left tackle. Fixed the hole they had at left tackle. They got steal the drafts, in my opinion. Grant, but on the back end is going to be a beast. Um, two. I mean, just look at their offense. Yeah, two great backs, two great receivers. You had Austin Hooper. If David Njoku ends up not getting traded, you have two top 15 tight ends, talent-wise. Then you got defense. you got Miles Garrett. they got Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and then you're going to have Grant Delpit on the back end. Yeah. And then they, they fill a whole linebacker, too. Like, what what do they need? Nothing. Yeah, yeah listen, that the only thing, if I'm the owner of the Browns this year, this is what I'm telling the head coach. I'm saying, listen. The only thing I want you doing with this team is handing out jerseys and standing on the sideline and act like you're doing something during the game because just, this team will take care of itself. Just do the minimum. All this do is do the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Make them fundamentally sound mm-hmm. and they'll be fine. But anyway, we digress. Maybe the, um, the Cowboys. Let's go through here. Rams, I mean, maybe when uh, eight and eight, they're eight and eight. Yeah. Um, Best case scenario, they go nine and seven. In that case, you know, tiebreaker. You never really know what's going to happen. Um, you know, in a tiebreaker situation. But I mean, they went eight and eight last year. 
with Byron Jones, their best corner, and one of the a top five corner in the league, top three maybe. Robert Quinn, their sack leader. Jeff Heath, who's been a leader and a great run support safety for years for them. And a pretty big-time defensive lineman, Malik Collins, they used him a lot. That's a lot of experience, a lot of snaps, a lot of starts, and a lot of talent that you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, wait, and Hall of Fame center and Travis Frederick. So if they went 8-8 eight and eight with a Hall of Fame center, a top three defensive back, their sack leader, their back end leader, and then a young, well, not young, but, you know, relatively young, um, and big-time defensive lineman Emily Collins, if you lose all of them yeah. and, and you went 8-8 you went eight and eight with them, I mean, yeah, they added some pieces, Dontari Poe, um, Joe McCoy, Hawk, Clint Dix, like good, good, solid veterans, nothing to make a splash to, to propel them anything over 8-8. Eight eight. They're not going to make up for the loss of the other pieces. You know, they're not going to make up for all everything they lost this offseason to make them any better. Yeah. I would say, I would say minimum they make up for it just enough to keep them at eight and eight. Mm-hmm. And okay. You know, this might be a hot take or, you know, a bit of a bold take Dak, not even a good quarterback. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> if Daniel Jones takes a half step waddle, a penguin, a penguin waddle forward, he's better than Dak. Dak's his third best in the division. Dak is not even a top 15 quarterback in this league. I mean, boom, done. Look, okay, I don't care. Statistically, if this dude throws for 7,000 yards in a year, doesn't matter. If you go 8-8 eight and eight every year with their talent, clearly you're missing something. Yeah. Okay, but, you know, let's, let's head up to the Eagles. Well, hold on, hold on. I just want to say oh, you got some? I agree with you about Dak. But let me tell you, man, I've I'm already I've already bought you and let's just say you have security now, okay? We have somebody that are that's making sure they know your whereabouts at all times after saying <laughs> saying that about um a Dallas quarterback. Um, so let, let's just say you're covered. You're covered. Um but I agree. Dak he, he's not that good. Um like he is just so average. The the real Value to Dak is just a cost certainty because you know they know exactly what they're paying him, they know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. So like consistency and certainty, that's that's pretty much the only like stability. That's the only thing that he brings is stability. Yeah, yeah. Because to Jerry Jones's mind, as long as he has a quarterback that's good enough to keep them relevant, he still gets so much uber amounts of cash that they're fine. Yeah. What Jerry what Jerry can't afford is having, you know, like a guy like Case Keenum or someone like someone like that back there. So that's the only thing that Dak brings is is stability. Yeah. Outside of that, he's nothing. Agreed. Sorry, nothing. I agree. And at number one in the division, we have the Eagles at nine cool. and seven. So I know people are gonna say, Oh, it's exactly what happened last year. Yeah, well the teams also haven't really changed that much. Um I mean, let's look. So I have a little bit of a bone to pick here with whoever, you know, well, I guess it's really not whoever rated the toughness of schedules. Um, so Philadelphia's rated the 25th hardest, so relatively easy. Mm-hmm. But that's also based on, you know, their opponents' win percentages last year. So let's look at let's look at um, the Eagles' schedule. I know they play the Steelers, going to be way improved. Um, they play the Rams going to be way improved. So like, that's why their strength of schedule. Don't let that, conf- 
uh, don't let that confusion, don't let that fool you because a lot of teams they play are going to be very improved. So start off with Washington, that's an easy dub. Yeah. Easy, that's an easy win for them. But then the Rams are going to be so significantly better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. The Bengals um, go to Philly. I'm not saying that the Bengals are going to win, but they're going to be way better. So I don't think it's insane to think that the Bengals give them at least a fight. Yeah. The Niners are going to wax them. Mm-hmm. The Steelers, I think, are so – as long as Ben Roethlisberger is awake for that game. As long as he's healthy, man. If he's anything remotely close to better than the goons and, you know, Mason Rudolph, the Rock'em Sock'em robot that was playing quarterback last year, <laughs> so stiff. then that's probably a win yeah. for, the, for the Steelers. Yeah. Um, not, not the Eagles. That's probably a loss for the Eagles. And then they play the Ravens. And then, the, you know, the Giants, Cowboys, Giants. Mm-hmm. But then the Browns are going to be way better. Browns are going to be way better. Yeah. Seahawks, Seahawks are not more talented, but better quarterback. Um, in my opinion, better coach right now. So that's it's a loss for the Eagles. Packers, loss. Saints, loss. Not even close. The Cardinals mm-hmm. are going to be so much more improved. So they play one, two, three, four, four to five teams that are going to be so significantly better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. So the, the Eagles schedule is just brutal. Yeah, it's it just brutal. It's really tough. It's going to be really tough. That's what I I don't have a problem with this. I see like the like we haven't predicted at 9 and 7. I see them just over 500, but I don't see them much over it at all. Um they have Well, yeah, I mean, and especially their road games. Like I said, I know there's not going to be well, we don't know what the fan situation is going to be, but they're at San Fran, they're at Pittsburgh, they're at Cleveland, they're at Green Bay, they're at Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, they get Seattle and New Orleans at home, but like Yeah. Come on now, those are those are two really good teams, and especially Seattle is an insanely good road team. Russell mm-hmm. Wilson and Pete Carroll have them buttoned up. That is a really good road team. So that's basically not even a factor when you consider um, playing the Seahawks. Right. So the, the, I mean, yes, the Eagles are talented, and if if Carson Wentz is healthy, they're even better. But they're just the receiving core is is depleted and unproven, mm-hmm. and their schedule is just brutal. Yeah. I mean, it'll be tough for them to get to be one of those, you know, teams that are eleven and five, twelve and four, and win the division. They're gonna have to scrap and claw just to get to, I think, ten and six. Yeah, would be, I think, ten and six. Um, I wouldn't be overly surprised. Eleven and five, I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. But I would say nine and seven is most likely. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, we got about eight minutes here, just under eight minutes, and uh, I want to get over and get through. Um, you know some of the some of the top players in the division. Um, so who do you have uh, MVP in this division? Carson Wentz. I would I would have to say the same if he can stay healthy. If Carson Wentz is healthy, I don't even think it's. I think he's a. I think he's a top three quarterback in the league if he's healthy. Yeah. Mahomes, Wilson, Wentz, Wentz. If Wentz is actually healthy, I mean the dude's insane. Four and zero down the stretch, mm-hmm. throwing. To, like you know, actual like nothing. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was throwing to nothing. He was throwing to, to chairs. He was throwing to like it looked like he was throwing to practice dummies out there. Literally practice squad guy. He went four zero. Yeah, yeah. I think no doubt, um, no doubt MVP right there. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I guess I could give Zeke some consideration. Zeke is a great back. See, I was gonna um, go. To, I was gonna go to Zeke for my offensive MVP. 
I would say uh, I, I'm going to give Marvin the MVP. Nice little transition there. We'll just get into offensive MVP. Saquon Barkley. Okay. I know that he's on a terrible team, mm-hmm. but I mean we're going to take you know the team out of out of this. Um, Saquon is, I mean, he's a freak athlete, and he's just there's nothing else that needs to be said. That that if you just go Google for those listening, if you want to know how good Saquon Barkley is. Just look up his name on Google. Hit that little videos tab, and just watch the videos of him. You know, hurdling people, yeah. outrunning. You know, get a bowl of everyone, popcorn to go with it, man. Lifting like lifting like semi truck worth of weight. Yeah. Like yeah. the dude just does everything and does everything so well. Yeah, if he can stay healthy, he I I like him for my offensive MVP. But I mean, if you want to talk about Zeke, I, I have no yeah um, I mean, dispute there. He's like. Saquon Barkley, the more experienced yeah. and less less quick, I would say. And see, the, the experience is the reason why I would go f- for him, uh, for my pick, um, for offensive MVP. I mean, uh, if we're not going to pick, you know, Wentz, you're going to go to Zeke. And I think we're just absolutely just so lucky that we get to see two running backs like uh, Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott play in the same division. I mean, that's just yeah. – and watching them go head to head every year, um, but like I said, with the experience with Zeke, it's hard to beat, man. It's hard to beat. Yeah, and, and I think I know. I said you know we're going to leave the team out of this, but I think team results. I want to leave out of this, but you also have to look at Zeke has a much better supporting cast. Yeah, um, Saquon is the dude there, so teams are going to key on him. He's he's going to be at a deficit in that. Yep, and we're not even talking about. I'm going to segue into my, I mean, this, we haven't really done this category before, but my, uh, my pop player of the division, Okay, I'm taking, um, Miles Sanders from, uh, from Philadelphia okay. yeah, in a great rookie year, great rookie year. Uh, look for him to be, you know, if you look up at the end of the year and you go, all right, um, he's got 1200 yards on the ground and seven touchdowns. And then he adds another, 500 receiving and another three or four um, receiving touchdowns. I mean, seriously, don't be surprised if he's statistically a top top ten back. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of talent. A lot of similar talent to Saquon. Um, to be honest with you, he's got a lot of talent. He does. He does. Um, and then I want to close this out here. We have about four minutes. I want to get to defensive MVP on this uh, in this division. This is tough for me. Um, I'm going to rule out Washington in general. I think Chase Young is going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be defensive MVP. I don't see anyone on the Giants. Uh, Cowboys, I, I do like Demarcus Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Mm, this is this is tough for me. I'm going to get mm, Darius Slay from the Eagles. They just added him this year from uh, Detroit. Yeah, dude's an animal. Um, they've been needing that lockdown guy, so he is going to be that guy. He's going to have a lot of opportunities to get to get picks, to get batted balls. Um. He is going to get picked on a lot, though, because he's going to be covering the best guy, you know, all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that could work against him, but I think he's going to step up big for him this year. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, you look around this uh, division, and I, I not that many big names. I, I was about to say you don't get that many. There's too many big names on defense. Um, I'm not, that's just how. Marcus Lawrence down in Dallas is, you know, he's pretty. Yeah, big name. Leighton Vendor, Jalen Smith would be also. A, yeah. Kind of dark horses, but I think the obvious 
I mean, the biggest name is his probably Darius Slay, maybe Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I um, with, with the Eagles. Fletcher Cox would have been my number two, but um, I I do you know good segue into defensive players. Jamal Adams trade. Yep. Yep. I, I do want to talk about this a little bit. How much time we got? Like three, three or seven minutes. We got about just under three minutes. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. Um, so Seattle uh, acquires um, Jamal Adams for for two firsts, a third, and starting safety um, Bradley McDougal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're making up and trying to cover themselves for being just so brutal at drafting, just so terrible. I mean, they just drafted a projected third-round linebacker in the first round. Jordan Brooks, every NFL executive I've seen has said, Jordan Brooks is at least a couple years out and he needs to shed some weight before he's NFL ready, before he's ready to be a starter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, real quick, let's look at the uh, Seahawks' first-round draft pick since 2000. Sean Alexander, that ended up being hit. Chris McIntosh, Corin Robinson, Steve Hutchinson, Jeremy Stevens. Marcus Trufon, Marcus Tubbs, Chris Spencer, Kelly Jennings, Lawrence Jackson, Aaron Curry, Russell Okun, um, ended up being a huge, huge hit. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. Along with Earl Thomas, they, they they nailed the 2010 draft. I don't know what they did, but they should try to repeat that. Yeah. Um, James Carpenter, bust. Bruce Irvin, I thought he was decent, at least on their team, and they ended up letting him walk. Jermaine Effetti, terrible, can't play. They took Rashad Penny, a running back, in the first round, late first round, who, oh, no. I'm sorry, no. And then LJ Collier yeah. appears he can't really play either. And then Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Like, what What are you doing? Like, yeah. what are they doing? And then the, the people that I actually do draft that are good, they let walk. Yeah. So I think they're trying to cover themselves, but I don't think Jamal Adams is the right guy to cover themselves with. He's rated the, 32, the 32nd best player. Um, in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Mm-hmm. Sounds right to me. And what also sounds right is that there's four safeties above him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got Harrison Smith, Justin Simmons, and Anthony Harris all above him. Yeah. So he's, he's not, he's the 17th, or he's the, yeah, he's the 17th best defensive player. Yeah. And they just gave up two firsts and a, uh, and a third form, yeah. so him, and a starter. I, I want to get more on this. We're going to get to another quick break, but we will be back with more on this for sure. All right, sweet. Thank you very much. What's up, guys? We're back. Uh, I am without Tim once again. Uh, he had to go, add stuff to attend to. He's on vacation. I'll be on vacation. Um, but we did have some more that we wanted to get to for Jamal Adams here. Um, look, are we convinced that a safety is that important to win for the Seahawks? Are we, is that position that important for them? So let's look at the Jets and the Seahawks unit by unit. Okay. Obviously Russell's better than Darnold. The O-lines are equally as bad. The wide out cores aren't that far off, you know, similar. Very similar teams. The running back cores are a lot closer than you think. And even if Seattle threw the ball as much as New York and didn't run it 50 times a game, the stats would be extremely similar. Okay. Defensively, the Jets have a better D-line. And outside of Bobby Wagner, the Jets actually have a better, younger, and deeper linebacking core than Seattle. 
In terms of corners, both teams have no lockdown guys. And now safeties, I give the edge to Seattle. So similar rosters. I know the quarterback is not even close, but who's to say that Jamal Adams can take a similar, similarly talented roster and elevate them to a Super Bowl contention? I don't think he can. I think Seattle's covering for its incompetence to draft well. Look, they haven't drafted well. And generally, not keep or acquire big names. I think, I, I like the acquisition, okay? The very talented player to a team that, you know, I really like, that has a great quarterback, that has a quarterback I really like. Russell Wilson, great quarterback. We love him on this show. No, I'm banging on him. But they're way better off than about three quarters of the league. Well, come on, they're not one like look. Is this going to change them? This trade, this Jamal Adams trade, is this going to elevate them to Super Bowl contention? I don't know. In theory, it's a great move. In reality, I'm not so sure it was the right move. Although I'm here for the argument that if they can't draft, might as well give up a first, but two firsts for for starting state. Like, look. They needed them. They did. They needed to fill it. But is this going to be what carries them to a Super Bowl? I don't think so. That's just our take. I wanted to cover that um, just because, you know, Tim couldn't get to it. Wanted to, uh, you know, give our take on that. And you'll definitely hear more about it um, on Wednesday's show when we get Tim back on the phone. But, um Look, guys, I mean, that was a pretty full episode. I'm glad we got you the uh, the NFC East predictions. Um, no, kind of uh, kind of getting into it here. Third week of the, uh, the podcast, and a lot is looking up. So make sure you're still going to the Instagram. That is at the underscore issue podcast. And our Twitter, at the issue podcast. Uh, make sure you're going on there, uh, throwing us a like. Make sure you comment. Give us your take. Um, like you heard today, we read a comment on the air, and who knows, could be yours. And you could be part of an ice cold take. Um, but that's about it. That's all we have for you guys here today. Um, thanks for listening. That was Monday, and that was the issue.